there was no bathroom in the church. Well, of course there was a loo, but then there was no shower, you know, or bath or something, some bath area. So, so funny. Every morning, all I have to do is to brush my teeth and do some dry cleaning and stuff. And I'm set for the day. But yeah, of course I had nothing doing. So I was just there all the time. I see the walls before me. I feel the cages forming. Seems like the world is falling, but I keep my head up the ground. I see the world before me. I know what change is coming. I hear the world is calling, so I keep my head up the ground. We break into everything. We break into everything. Hello and welcome to the Barrier Breakers Corner where we shift mindsets around various topics such as family, finance, relationships, dreams and visions, and most importantly, opportunities and how to walk into them. We want to annihilate the assumption that we cannot break barriers. Let me tell you this today. There is more on the other side of you breaking that barrier that you would never know unless you do. Welcome to the Barrier Breakers Corner, where we step out on faith and defy the odds. I am your host, Joyce Donkar. Today, I have a guest all the way from Germany, Cyrus Richard Togba, also known as Cyrus Richie. And we're going to talk on pressing through. Cyrus, please introduce yourself. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you're listening from. All right, um, my name is Cyrus Richard Tober. I'm Cyrillian, currently based in Germany. I'm a gospel artist as well, and I go by the name Cyrus Richie. That's um, my first name, Cyrus, and then short form of the Richard. That's about it. Awesome. Super grateful to be doing this with you. Thank you for taking time out to do this. I've known Cyrus for like a long time, but we just got close 2014, no, 2013, when he started going to our church. Yeah. Yeah. And knowing him, it's like he's been through <laughs> a lot of ups and downs. And that's why I chose this topic, pressing through, because it's like, how has he been able to handle and stand through all those tough times that he's had? Like, how has he been able to face them and be who he is today? Because what he's doing now, I'm like super, super proud of him. And when you hear his testimony, you know, that like God has just been with him through it all. And I just want to know, like, how he's been standing through this. So Cyrus got married in 2014. November 30, right? Yeah. And within less than a year, he lost his wife. And it was like a big blow, like to all of us at church. They were both part of our choir. And like our choir was so hit by it. Like I had sleepless night. The night that I had it, I didn't sleep till like, I think 5 a.m. And I had to go to work. I got to work late that day. It was just so devastating. She was so young amazing young lady. And it was like a big blow to all of us. And Cyrus was not in town. You were not in town, right? I was in town. What happened was that we got married 29th of November, exactly around nine months. I was actually away on the weekends. I was in Europe and then she was also in Senegal. 
to get her visas ready because yeah she was sick and then we wanted to get her treated or something to check to do a checkup or something like that but then her visas had expired because we realized it late when she was about to travel so we arranged quickly for her to go get her visas in Senegal and that weekend I was away like I said and then I got back Sunday and I was at work on Monday so right through from that Monday she started feeling sick again uh, right from the embassy where she was to get her visas and then she was rushed to the hospital and back and forth like that and then on the day that she actually that which was on the Wednesday I was meant to be in Senegal on Friday because I was walking through those days and I was meant to go on Friday to get her because then she was complaining and she was being sick and all that and then the Wednesday while she was at the consulate she fell sick again and then rushing to the hospital was when she died she died on the way so that was what happened yeah and I had to go the same Friday that I was to go yes but then instead of bringing her life yeah it was her cups wow. that I brought back to Gambia What was running through your mind at that time when you heard that? Yeah, it had breaking time for me because it was never what I expected, you know, because, you know, you got married and things are going fine. You all knew what it was like. Things were really, really good and we were going through everything smoothly and then she fell sick and going there to get her back not alive was the worst thing that would ever happen to me. At some point, I was not even by myself because I had lost consciousness and all that. But then I had a few friends who went with me. So they stood by me and we went through it. And then we came through and back to Gambia. It was really, really tough, to be honest. You wouldn't understand this. Well, until you are in that position, then you know what I'm talking about. I don't know how you did it, but it was really, really tough. I mean, just on us all, as young people, knowing you guys, it was really, really like a big blow. And yes. I can't even imagine how you were even feeling, you know, just within nine months of you guys being together. And then that happened. And I like the fact that you had your friends around you. And I think that's very important in life that you have a support system that are there with you to through the thick and thin. Tell me about that support, like having them by your side. How did you feel even at that time? This was a really great support for me because especially at that time, you know, when someone died at the young age, you know, and so many people are saying all sort of things and stuff, you know, so you don't even know what to think. You don't even know what to do. But then having those few friends around really strengthened me. Yeah, to some extent, even though I still couldn't handle it, but at least they gave me some strength and you know, they were talking to me all through and like, look, just take it easy. And then I had a pastor also from the church, the lady that got married recently, the father. Pastor Sengo. Pastor Sengo. He said something. He said, you know what, Cyrus, don't worry about anything. Take it easy. Just calm down. God has a reason for this. You know, this happened because God had given you this to carry. Just take it like that and just press through. It's going to be okay. I will always remember those words from him, you know. So he said that, yeah, it strengthened me. That was when we arrived from Senegal. But then, like I started with those friends, they really, really supported because they took care of everything. Because at some point, I couldn't even do anything again. Even at the hospital, at the mortuary, they went through everything. They talked everything out. And until we moved, well, they arranged the transport system and everything. Well, by then, I worked for Brussels Alliance and they were actually to bring the cops. But then I think there were some issues or something, or there was not a flight on that day or something like that. So we had to arrange for road transport system. And I had also friends who came in and like, I'm giving my van, you know, I had some people who, well, there was a friend of mine, also a very close friend also who had a rental car system. So 
they gave us a van and everything and we transported everyone through to Gambia and we came and got to the mortuary. Seeing everybody around was also another really, really tough time. You know, people were crying. I held it through, you know. I tried to stay calm as possible. Well, it wasn't so easy. And then we went to the mortuary and everything was done. And then, yeah, we went home to meet the other people. It was really, really tough, but really, really, to be honest, it's good to have those kinds of friends around you, especially when you go through such times. Yeah. yeah. And I was going to say that Pastor Singer could say that to you because he's been through that as well, because he lost his oh. wife, his first wife, I think in 99, 2000, 2001, I was going to seventh grade because, you know, Alice is like my best friend. We grew up together. So I was in seventh grade when he lost his wife. So Alice was in sixth grade. Yeah. So he was saying it from experience. And wow. yeah, that's why he was able to say. I didn't even know that. And it's really, really tough. And just after that, you went to Germany and... I know starting afresh from going to another country is just, it's hard. And that's one of the reasons <laughs> he didn't want to even move to U.S. when I had to, because I was like, I don't know about starting afresh because I've lived in the U.K. before going to uni and it was not easy. You know, it takes some time to find your balance and all of that. And I was not ready to do that at that point. So when you moved, how was it like? Well, <laughs> at first I went to the States. I went to US. I was still working before moving anyway. And then I went to the States for some official duties. And I thought of actually staying there because it was really tough. You know, when you build everything around your family, whatever it is that it's there, you feel that you own it together and all that and everything. So the presence is always there. So this was really tough because I went to US. I said, okay, let me go back and see how it's like. I came back to the Gambia, but it was still the same. You know, things was getting tougher and tougher. At that point in time, you don't concentrate. So many things happening. You're thinking about that and you have to deal with work. You have to deal with some other issues. And at some point I was getting mixed up and getting stressed and I wasn't even concentrating. So I had to choose whether I should stay or leave. Then I took a decision of leaving. And then I had some friends in Germany who said, okay, you could come to Germany and see. So yeah, so imagine leaving everything and then coming to Germany. <laughs> and then knowing that you have to go through the process in Europe to get <laughs> settled. It's not like you're coming for school. Sometimes it's hard. Yeah. And knowing that you're just coming and you don't even know what you're going to see and all that. So it was really, really, really tough. And I really had it tough. But then there was one thing I always had God in me. You know, I always say, if anything should leave me, I don't want the presence of God to leave me because this is what will always direct me. You know, even though I was not so into gospel, like minister or something, of course, I was always in the church church, you guys know that, but I was not like fully, fully, you know, into the whole thing. I would come and, you know, to church and stuff like that. You were in church, but the church was not in you. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> well, not like that. Not like that, to be honest. Yeah, to some extent. <laughs> I grew up with my mom and grandma and they were like really, really Jesus lovers, you know, but then getting on like you're all by yourself and all that. Though I had what you could see that, yes, I go to church. I was in youth groups. I participated in a lot of things before coming to your church, actually. But when I was in your church, what happened was that I got so busy when I was at your church that I wasn't participating in church activities. But then I was a member of the choir. Most of the time I was out of town. So those things wouldn't let me like really focus on it. But it's not that I, I didn't have it. It was always there. 
So when I moved to Germany, I saw everything differently. Everything was like, yeah, where am I? And what's going to happen? And then I found myself in a church. The first thing I asked for was a church because I can remember I got to Germany on a Saturday and then on the Sunday we went to church. But then it was like a kind of evangelic church or something, but it's not like how we do it back home. So then I asked, I said, I want a Bible believing church, a church that I can go and really, really like feel the presence and all that. So then someone led me to a church and then we went there. And then that was how I got in contact with the pastor and all that. And then I said, okay, I want to be a member of the choir. And that was where the whole thing started. Because when I got into that choir, I remember it was still not as lively as it should be. And one thing that led me was to really like wake things up in a way. Even though I thought I didn't have the fire as you guys were, (laughs) but then I felt I could do something. It was really like I could do something. That's how it started. I started leading praise and worship. So yeah, it was all new for me. And then I had to leave in this church. I had to leave. I remember the pastor told me that, well, I don't have a place to stay because it's not so easy. But then there's a storeroom in the church, which you can pack the things one side and then spend the night and things like that. You understand? (laughs) Yeah. Before you even go into that part, I was going to ask Janet, is it because of Janet? Was that one of the reasons why you felt so disturbed, unbalanced and out of control that you felt like you needed to leave Gambia and go somewhere new so that you can just think out? Could that be one of the reasons? Yeah, right. That's definitely one of the reasons. In fact, one of the major reasons, because like I said, everything around me was like her. I remember we planned everything together. I planned everything with her. And when I come home, it's like I'm seeing Janet at home. And it was really disturbing in a way. I was always sad. Once I'm home, I'm sad. That's the thing. Because she was not there. Because the presence was not there. Exactly. That's the thing. So, you know, that sadness, I will lose concentration and all that. So I'm like, okay, you know what? I think I need to relocate and then see what's going to happen. You said you were in a, (laughs) you were sleeping in a storage room. It's so hard. Yeah, the storage room in the church. <laughs> you know, when people move out of their comfort zone and they or they say they are, oh, I'm leaving this country and I'm going for a better life. <laughs> I know. They right? feel like you're supposed to start all rosy. <laughs> right. That was not your story. That's not even my story. Like even from London to here, it's that's a story for another day. But like people don't understand that you need to be strong because when you yeah. move here, whether you have somebody there or not, it's not going to be easy. I remember when my sister was moved here to US after leaving her big room in Gambia and coming here, she was like, at some point I had to sleep on the floor because I was not comfortable in my bed because there was so much bed bugs on my bed. I'm <laughs> like, in America? <laughs> bed bugs? <laughs> like how? And she's like, I, I cannot, I could not sleep on my bed. I had to sleep on the floor for like, months or so yeah this was crazy i'm sure you've been to my house right yeah in gambia yeah yeah. So you should know what it is like. You should know. So when I got here and this pastor was like, you know, saying stuff like that, I'm like, okay. Well, the thing is, Cyrus Ritchie is this person that things don't move me really, no matter what I thought I had or whatever. It was nothing to me, you know, because I don't look at material things and stuff like that, you know. So it didn't really bother me. And then I said, okay, no problem. I would have it. I gladly said I would have it because, of course, I don't have 
have anywhere to go. And then one of the tough part of it was that I would be there like the whole week and there was no bathroom in the church. Well, of course there was a loo, but then there was no shower, you know, or bath or something, some bath area. So, so funny. Every morning, all I have to do is to brush my teeth and do some dry cleaning and stuff. And I'm set for the day. But yeah, of course I had nothing doing. So I was just there all the time. But then every Sunday, I would go to some church member's house to take a shower to come to church. And I could remember, I'm always the first to be in church, of course, because I go all in the morning, take a shower and then come back dress quickly. Because then nobody even knew that I lived in the church, except the pastor and his family. So it was so tough. And at some point in time, this guy that I was going to, he started giving excuses. Um, You know, this, that, you know, I don't think you can come here tomorrow. And I'm like, yeah, this is happening. You know, I was like, <laughs> in fact, that was one thing that instead of pulling me down, it really like made me strong, you know, because when I see challenges, that's when I really, really want to see what God's going to do. So like I'm challenged positively to see it, you know? So I'm like, yeah, this is it. So I called then, okay, a few months later when I got here, I met my wife now. Then thing is, she also lived in a home where it was only for mother and child. So she was being protected in a way. So no one could get in there. So of course I was not allowed to and all that. So yeah. Okay. So I called her. I said, okay, this is the situation. So at some point she said, okay, you know what? I'm going to buy a big bowl so you can stay in there. You just take a shower and then you throw the water away. <laughs> Yo, take us back to the village. Like, yeah, I'm telling you, that was the offer. Imagine in Europe, that was the offer she gave me. Yeah. I said, okay, yeah, I'll look into it. So that very day, I had no choice but to do my usual dry cleaning to go to church. And guess what? That was the day the day that the Lord visited, you know. <laughs> the <laughs> praise and worship was something else, you know. I felt the strong, strong presence, you know. And after that, after the whole thing and everybody went home, I was in this room sleeping. And then I woke up to pray. And while I was praying, that was when I had the Lord speaking to me. He was sending me out there to preach the gospel through songs. And then he gave me the word that I should make his worship as simple and clear as possible. That was the same day when I had that struggle to take my breath that morning was when I had this. And then it started from there. And then, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that was about the room. <laughs> and that's how you found God in the process. Now, it was not just about you being in church, but church being in you and God being in you. Yes, now everything was in me. <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny how sometimes it's through some tough times that you actually find God. Like yeah. in the Bible, we learn of, was it Saul that was persecuting the Christians? Saul who changed his name to Paul. It was in the midst of the persecution that he found Jesus. And sometimes I just want to ask, could it be that in the midst of this, God's hand was in it all throughout Janet's passing and you moving to Germany. Could you see the hand of God in it? Well, yes. To be honest, sometimes God works in mysterious ways. You know, we don't know what he does. You understand? We only try to do what we can do. But then at that point in time, I felt that everything that had happened had happened for a reason. Imagine you losing like everything, not just her, you losing everything, everything to start afresh. So I'm like, okay, maybe God wanted to bring me out from nothing. So I could really, really, really feel the raw presence of God. You 
you know what I mean? And to be honest, I felt it because after I had lost everything, like I said, and things started like that, I saw the speed. That very month, that very month was when my wife was given a home, a three-bedroom flat, which is so hard to get here. And people were like, how do you get it? How do you get it? Mm. Then what happened? The church was asked to leave. Imagine me with my stuff. And I don't even have a place to go. And then the church had a storage to keep their things, but I didn't have a place to go. Yeah, this was the most interesting part. And then I called a friend to come help me get my stuff. So the friend came and got my stuff. I said, can you keep them in your place? He said, okay. He kept them in his place. And then he asked, where are you going to sleep? I said, I don't know. At this point in time, I don't know. And during that struggle, he said, okay, you can come spend the night at my house and then we'll figure out what to do. So I went to his place and then was the temptation, you know, friends, other friends could say, okay, come on, man, let's go and find some girls or something. You know, there are white ladies out there who could help, you know, things like that, blah, 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 all sort of things coming through. But yeah, I was fixed. I was focused because I had met God. Yeah. I'm like, I am not losing this. He has something for me because he had given me his message already. So I had that strongly and I'm like, no, I'm not taking this. So right in that process was when my wife called me to say, oh, Cyrus, I've uh, been given a place to stay, to live. And we're going to live there together. I'm like, oh. okay, this is God. <laughs> this is God. <laughs> this is God. <laughs> but I'm not going to cry. <laughs> so if I had been moved by what those friends were telling me, maybe I would have lost focus. I wouldn't be Cyrus Richie today. Because then something else would have taken my mind and I don't know what would have happened. So right in that, in, during that time was when we got the place and we started like that. Right. When you decide to follow God and do his will and just submit under his will, you find God moving in ways that you never thought he would move. Like yeah. that is really powerful. Your story from being in the storage room and God moving in an unusual way for you. Like if I feel like if you have not even been obedient or adhered to his voice, you probably would have struggled much more. Right. Yeah, to be honest, in fact, those friends who were trying to lead me out there are still not settled up to today. I have some of them who are still living in in, um, in a refugee camp and all that up till today. Wow. Yeah, and this is where I am today now because I was obedient, like you said. Wow. Would you say you found healing through it all? Well, to be honest with you, this is something that will never go away for me because she was meant to be my life partner. And yes, it happened this way, yes. Life has to go on, but I really do feel her sometimes. And of course, my wife now knows that already because sometimes we talk about it and I told her, but yeah, it has happened. I still think about her. I still remember her as a young lady coming up and, you know, having all that energy and all that, you know, trying to be somebody and then something happened. I think about myself. It could have been me, it could have been anybody else. I still feel her death. I don't think this will ever go away from me. But yes, I mean, this is where God had led me. And of course, I have to do what I have to do. Yeah, it's a journey. Even finding that healing, it's definitely a journey. And I like the fact that you are talking to your wife about it because sometimes people tend to hide stuff in them. And just the fact that your wife is even receptive of you having that discussion with her, it's very, very good and it's very important. Like 
it's hard in our black communities for even men to even bring out such kind of things and want to talk about it. But the fact that you guys are able to have that conversation, that's very good. It also helps in the process. It also helps in you being a better person and also helping you to be a better person to your wife and kids as well. Because if you are affected, your wife will be affected and your kids will be affected too. So that conversation is very important. And I can see that it is just God that has been holding you through it all. Like it's been God through it all. What encouragement would you give to somebody out there that feels like this life is hard? You know, how can I be pressing through and I've just lost my family member. I've just lost this opportunity. I've just lost the love of my life. I've just, what encouragement can you give somebody to keep pressing on? Well, I believe the Bible says in everything, we should give thanks. This is God. His ways, like I said, they're way higher than ours. You understand? So he knows why certain things happen and he gives and he takes. If such a thing should happen to anyone, all you need to do is to trust that this God who did this will make a way for you, will show you what to do, will direct you and all you need to do is to anchor on him. You cannot do it by yourself. To be honest, if you have to do it all by yourself, then you will just break down. But when you hold on to God and like, okay, Jesus, I leave it all at your feet because if I have to handle this, I cannot go anywhere. And that was what I did. I surrendered everything to God and I'm like, God, you have your way. And this is what I would always advise someone. And this is what I have been on. You know, I trust God so much that whatever he wants to do, that's what he will do. And of course, he does it better. So if I put all of my hope and trust on him, he's going to make it better. He's going to make a way for me where there's no way. So someone should know this. You know, I did a song recently. It's not released yet. You know, because he leaves, I'm still standing. Because the Lord leaves, that's why I'm still standing. You know, because if it has to be me, come on, <laughs> I would be able to do anything. You will enjoy that song anyway. It will come out soon. I believe most of the songs that God gives me also, most of them are part of what I've been through. And sometimes during the moment of worship, he gives songs, but some of them are really like through what I am facing and all that with him, you know. So it's like he keeps encouraging me. And so I would want that person to also lean on him for that encouragement, that push. Right. That's good. Which will lead me to my last question of this segment. Tell us what you're doing now, because like I said earlier, I'm so proud of you being through all of that and what God is doing through you right now. It's amazing. So just let everyone know what you do. <laughs> All right. I'm just a very humble servant of God. I am serving in the area of music. And I always tell, you know, like I was talking to on one interview again and they were like asking me, what can you say to your friends? I said, look, I don't have friends. So I am only doing the work of God. I have friends. I have families. I have believers. I have people that are yearning for God and who we can push to get work together to get other people on to God. You understand? And this this is my push. So this is what I'm doing. I'm doing gospel music, not for fame or anything, but just for his glory to be seen. And that's it. So that's what I do. I am a very humble servant of God. Like I said, I serve in the area of music. Well, I am now solo and all that, but I still don't look at myself and I see God, whatever I do, I see God in it and I see his hand. I see that he is the one 
doing it. He's just using me. I'm just a vessel that he is using. Because when I read the Bible and it says, if you don't praise me, I will raise stones. I'm like, I'm not going to be here and God raising stones to praise him, man. I can do this. You know, Why not I make myself available? So I'm doing this and then to spread the gospel, to make the gospel reach that part that, you know, whatever it is, wherever it is, I believe that everyone needs this gospel, wherever you are and whoever you are. Right. Right. Great. <laughs> and you can follow Cyrus Ritchie on Instagram and Facebook. And he has a show on Sundays, Praise Unlimited, on the Afro... Yeah, right. Is it the Afro Media Network? Yeah. Me this year, I released one of my songs. You know, God led me to also start a gospel show on Afro Media Network TV. It's called Praise Unlimited. This is where we do everything gospel. Gospel music, we preach the word on it. We interview gospel musicians. And anything that you are doing that is related to the gospel, we do it on Praise Unlimited. And the name Praise Unlimited, it's unlimited praise, of course. So we're going to praise God through every medium we have, whether it's through music, whether it's through the word. We just want to praise God through this platform. And that's it. So feel free to always join us. It's every Sunday, 7 p.m. GMT and 9 p.m. Eastern CET and, and then 2 p.m. CST or 3 p.m. EST. Yeah. Right. Thank you so much. Cyrus is currently married to Tata Topa. I love her name, Tata. <laughs> and with three kids. She's an amazing woman. Meeting her was a great blessing because like I said, she was through it all with me since I came to Germany. I met her when I got here. And one thing I admire is her patience. She has been so patient with me. I remember at some point in time, like for three years I was in Germany, I could not work, I could not do anything. And we had a baby. I had to stay home to take care of the baby and she went out to work, you know? And so when I started working, I said, look, can you stay home, sit and relax, let me work? I am working because this woman worked for us, for the family. And so I said, you need to relax and let me work for you now. She's amazing. Whenever I have shows, whenever I have ministrations, she will be there praying with me. Even when I'm on stage, she'll be at the back praying. The shocking part of it is that when I met her, she was Muslim. You won't believe this. She was Muslim and I did not force her to church. You understand? I told her, I said, look, this is what I am doing. I don't know what you think about it. I don't also mind who you are because who am I to judge? Who am I to say you are doing the right thing or not? But I allowed the Holy Spirit to work it out. And one day she called me and said, I'm coming to visit your church. I wasn't surprised because I knew that God would do it. If God wants me to do his work, he needs to send me a partner that will work with me. Yeah, true. You understand? So I knew he was going to take care of that side of it. Yeah. So she called me that day. And that day that she came to church was when she got saved. Wow. And right through, man, she's on fire. Trust me. Wow. And you're <laughs> a good woman and you'll be at peace. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you know. Right? <laughs> you know, right? <laughs> All right, going to my second segment. Here's where I highlight a barrier breaker. And throughout this 2020, I've been highlighting barrier breakers of the month. And this person was a barrier breaker of the month of June. She's called Belinda Na Otu. Okay. And she's in Ghana. And one of the things I loved about her story was that she started the goat meat business and she loves goat meat, pepper soup, 
with, you know, that Ghanaian fufu. And she's like, every Friday they'll cook it and they have it cooked for them in the office or something like that. And then she's like, she's always looking forward to it. And like, she put it on her WhatsApp status and be sharing her photo. Like, this is what I'm having today <laughs> and all of that. And her love for gold meat has started a gold meat business. Like she goes and wow. buys. Yeah. She goes and buys gold meat and then um, gets a butcher to butcher everything and people order from her and then she delivers it. So she has delivery people that delivers to them. But one thing I love about her story is the fact that she started from nothing. She said she started with somebody's farm and then now she has her own farm. As of June, she had 17 goats. She started with nothing. Like she had to use something. And what I learned from there is that Sometimes God gives you this burning desire. Sometimes you have even this burning desire or you love something. Start whatever you have to do. You don't have to have a million dollars in your account to start anything or a business. Yes, you need capital, but you don't need a lot of money to do anything. She had to use somebody's farm for her to raise the capital to start her own farm and have the goods. And that's where she was selling the goods from somebody's farm, making money out of it, obviously paying whatever fee she had to pay until she was able to raise the funds to start her own. Sometimes you need not to start with anything, just start. And then you'll be able to climb. I saw on her post the other day, she was on GH1 TV. They interviewed her in Ghana and it was so amazing. Like I'm so proud of her. And I think she's with some groups of people that have offering mentoring problem programs for people, for young people. People, which is so good. When you start or you follow your heart and do what you want to do. I always say this on barrier breakers. There is more on the other side of you breaking that barrier. You would not know until you step out on faith. And I feel like your story is kind of like almost like hers because you started from nothing and God has like elevated you in his own way. You may look at it like it's small, but I feel like everybody has a sphere that they are supposed to impact. And the Bible says to whom much is given, much is required. So as you are growing in that area and being faithful and being committed, God will give you more. If you're able to handle that small, he definitely will take you higher. And I feel like that's what happened with Belinda, that the little that she had, and was able to commit to God gave her more. And I just want to ask, what lessons have you learned in this life or in 2020? You know, what lessons have you learned? What lessons I've learned in this 2020 is that whatever gift that you have, first of all, everyone has a gift. It's up to you to make use of that gift. And also, once you discover your gift, you don't stop. You press on. No matter what it is, there's going to be the rains. There's going to be the wind. Whatever it is, there's going to be friends that will want to stop you. There was going to be some people that will say, do you think this will work? And things like that. But you know what you have in you. You know what is deposited in you. For example, like the lady now, she knows her focus. She knows what she was going to do. So she has to be persistent. So that's the lesson I've learned in this 2020, that you have to be persistent with what you're doing, persistent and be the best that you can be. Just walk through it and you will get to that point. So this 2020, for me, I learned that I should not complain about anything. Whatever I have, I have to accept it and then work on it because um, you sit down and complain and say, oh, this year is nothing. This year, for example, COVID is destroying this year. Nothing is happening. You just sit down and keep saying nothing is happening. Nothing will happen. Yeah. To be honest with you, um, from the COVID the start of the convict up to today, I finished two albums. Why? Because I didn't look at convict as something that's stopping me from what I am to do. No matter what it is, of course, it's not good, but 
there is always something you can do because it kept you home at some point in time. That time you're home, do you think about something? Do you try to do something? Do you make something work? Every little time you have counts. So just be persistent with what you're doing and make every little time you have as important as it can be. Yeah, I know it was a little bit rough for people at the beginning because you're like, oh my God, 2020 just threw me off and trying Mm -hmm. to find their balance. I mean, this season for podcast is finding my balance. It's just so crazy how things started this year. It's like you now have to find a routine or find a way of doing things. And it's not easy at the beginning, but towards the end, it's, I mean, it's almost the end of 2020. Try and make each day count for you, no matter what this year has been like. And like you said, be persistent, you know, keep the focus and make each minute count for you. And it makes me remember the song in Gambia. I forgot the person who sang it. I think it's by some past, it's either by a pastor or something. I don't know, maybe you might know the person. Even though I have no shoes, I'm satisfied. You know, they always play it on Gambia. Yeah, I remember that song. <laughs> That's yeah. one of my dad's favorite songs. I have nothing. Yeah, I remember that song. I'm satisfied. (laughs) I've forgotten the guy. (laughs) Even though you have nothing, you are satisfied, you know, and that's what God has been for us. Next to my last segment, which is the LTT Let's Stop Tuesday question. This is a question I put out there on social media. The season has ended for that. We are right now on podcast, but I like to bring it back here just to hear a different perspective or anyone that hasn't really or contributed to it or listened to it because I did a video about it as well. Actually, this question, I, I had not done a video about it. It escaped me, but we can talk about it here. Anyone that commented, yes, that was really powerful. We love that. But also, I just want to bring it back here so that people will hear another perspective. Maybe I'm going to bring it up in another episode as well. I want to do a love series during February, January, February. So I can bring this topic back again to hear what people have to say. But let's ask this question. On a first date, who should pay the bill and why? And during courtship, when should couples start splitting the bill? (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) I'm going to say it by experience because I remember when I met my wife, actually, we started talking on the phone. And then the day that we should meet, I remember, imagine I just came to Germany with nothing, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) So I remember having nothing that night. But you know what happened? I knew I was going for a date. I tried to have something little in my pocket. And then I told her, look, I'm sorry, I don't have so much money. I was so honest, right? (laughs) I said, I'm sorry, I don't have... I have so much money and I don't know places around there. Can we go to like a place that I don't know why I was doing this? Because maybe I was just being so natural and, you know, I said, can you, we go to a place where, you know, moderate, you know, that we cannot spend much because I don't have so much. And then she said, okay, that's fine. That's fine. Let's go. And then we went to a place and we bought a kebab, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. bought a kebab (laughs) and one bottle of Fanta and I took a bottle of water. And we had it and we find. And to be honest with you, that was one of the best nights up to wow. today. We are always talking about this night. Wow. It was so beautiful. Yeah. And I paid. I paid the bill. So on the first day, to be honest, no matter what it is, the man has to show that responsibility, mm. you know, and stand as a man. You understand? Because the women are supposed to honor their man. You understand? So if you were to honor me, then I should be in that position of honor. Yeah. <laughs> you understand? Well, well, <laughs> <get> well. <laughs> Yeah. Before we even continue this conversation, I'm laughing because knowing Cyrus, (laughs) that is not a place you would have gone because the way Cyrus is set up, 
You will have found a fancy restaurant. You know, right? I know. You know. There is nothing like you, you know, know, and of what? Right? I know that you would have found a fancy place to Super go. Sport, man. Yeah. That is low level Cyrus. Like, <laughs> it's so shocking, but God works in mysterious ways. Right. God does work in mysterious ways. Like, with nothing. And, you know, you never know. It may not just be about you, but it could be about the woman as well, whether you're willing to take up someone that does not have any, because someone could have shunned you and be like, ah, he's asking me to go out and we're just, he said not nothing. Ex- me, I want to go to a big restaurant. I want to go to somewhere <laughs> that, you know, some people would have really shunned you or stood you up on that first day. That's true. And, and I waited for this for almost two weeks. She kept counseling. And then finally, when that day came, you know, that was the situation. So I felt also, she also had a role to play in that. Yeah. The woman also had a role to play. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she willing to accept Accept you that time, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is very good. And I think for me, this was God. <laughs> right. This was right. God because Cyrus is not like. I, let me tell you, Cyrus is not like that. <laughs> Cyrus <laughs> does not go to cheap places or low level. No, 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 no. So for me to hear that, I'm like, yo, <laughs> I know, I know Cyrus to be a very given person. Yeah, of course, yes. <laughs> I definitely that is God right there. So during cutship, when should couples start splitting the bill? Should there ever be a splitting of bill or? Yeah, for me, to be honest, I don't believe in this. Like you said, you knew me back then and all that. I cannot be splitting bills with my, but I wouldn't do that, you know. And that's why I work hard as a man. I make things happen because I want to be that man. It's not that I want to raise shoulders or not. No, I just feel that, like I said, if I am to be honored, I have to be in that place of of honor. You understand? So this is something that I grew up with to be that responsible. So I tell my wife, come on. Well, it depends also because at some point in time, like I said, I wasn't allowed to work and all that. So she took, that's understanding. You understand? I think understanding is the watchword here. So it's not really like, the focus is not really on splitting bills. The focus is more on understanding. You understand the current situation and you just switch and things happen. And once it's something that is real and there's that connection in it, I don't think splitting of bills will come in, you know. (laughs) And you take your responsibility as a man very serious for you to even think that, you know, yes, she understood you at that point. But even when earlier you talked about when you were able to start working, you were able to tell her, ma'am, my sweetheart, (laughs) my love, please stay at home. Like I need you to stay at home and relax because I want to be able to take care of you just like you've been able to take care of me. That shows how responsible you are, you know, as a man telling your wife, hey, I need you to relax. You've done so much for me. I want to be able to take that responsibility because some other people would have just taken advantage of you and I mean, taken advantage of her and just be like, you know, I mean, she works, you know, so let her work. But that was very, very good. I mean, of you, you know, and also not thinking about, it's not about splitting the bill here. It's about understanding, you know, whatever situation that person is. I mean, look at where you are now. And I think it's also very important that she was able to go through that process with you to where you are now. Cause then you know that this person is like, you know, in it forever yeah, and ever, you know. To rip where she didn't sew. <laughs> she did not sew, exactly. She's worked so hard. I don't think she ever thought that this is where you're going to be in the how many years, but she was ready to put in the work and you are also ready to put in the work. And that's what really matters in any relationship that the two of you are working together towards a common goal. Right. <sighs> 
This has been an amazing time. Thank you so much for wanting to do this with me. I am super grateful. This would not have happened if you hadn't agreed. So I'm so, so grateful. Thank you. Thank you, Cyrus, for this. Thank you so much, Madam Joyce Donko. Thank, thanks a lot. Yeah, I appreciate this also. You know, sometimes there are things that I don't want to talk about, but then, um, yeah, but it, it, it's, it's fine because um, this would also help someone out there. You don't know who is going through some similar situations and would need such things to help them, you know, wake up or boost up or something. I appreciate this and I feel honored to do this. And I believe... God is blessing someone through this. Yes, he is. Thank you so much for having me on Barrier Breakers. Thank you so (laughs) much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Barrier Breakers Corner podcast. If you liked what you heard, please give us a five-star review and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, share with those you think can benefit from this information. Please email all questions suggestions and compliments to the bb corner podcast at gmail.com the barrier breakers corner podcast is produced by the podcast laundry production company and executive produced by joyce donkor the podcast music was written by chidi omenihu and produced by andy official in the gandia west africa